Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome once again to the CMI School of Christ. And uh, <clears throat> greetings to the whole entire body of Christ, and welcome to the CMI School of Christ. And I know I'm mixing that thing up because I'm still thinking of the way how I um, start off the classes in Spanish, but that's all right. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and continue our class today, uh, The Great Mercy of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we've got our diagram again in Spanish, of course, but the diagrams that you guys can download uh, online are in English. And let me just check real quick. Yeah. Last class, one of the main things that was really just on my heart was uh, the reality of the person of Christ Himself and knowing the Son of God, knowing the Lord, knowing Christ, and just how, how that differentiates from the carnal religion of man. And <clears throat> the carnal religion of man is basically, this is the way I say this, basically everything that, be, that can be conceived of and understood by the natural brain, the natural mind. It originates with man as man's concepts concerning God, concerning the Scripture, concerning the Son of God, concerning salvation, concerning life, concerning righteousness, concerning all the terms that are found in the Scripture. That is the carnal religion of man versus the reality of God, Christ Jesus Himself. There's a, there's a vast difference. <clears throat> man, in man's ability, man, in the highest understanding, highest form of understanding and wisdom of man, still cannot know God. It is completely impossible. Still cannot attain to the knowledge of God is completely impossible. There's the knowledge of man and then there is the knowledge of God. Two completely other, not even remotely comparable, they're completely other, contrary, enmity. And there is no mixture and uh, with our with our diagram here, Ur of the Chaldees. I, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I placed a cross right here, uh, basically dividing Ur from everything else. But on the other side of the cross, on the well, with our chalkboard, we usually the diagram is kind of backwards. Uh, how I usually 
draw the diagrams just of the cross and the squares and the circles, but because of our map, the map that we're using, and really that's the way it is a lot of times, our concepts are completely backwards. <clears throat> but the way I have it set up uh, is everything before, which is on the side of Ur of the Chaldees, uh, it's all just man in his highest form. It, it, it is, it's man. It's man in his lowest form and man in his highest form. Man in his most miserable state and man is in his most exalted state. It is represented by the square. It is man. Man in ignorance and man in wisdom. It is man. Now, on the other side of the cross, where we have like Haran and the land of Canaan, Haran is, is like the crossroads, if you will. It's the, it's the overlapping, you know, from, from one to the other. It's the overlapping time. Uh, you, could, you can say it's the wilderness, if you want. Uh, to some extent. Uh, basically, it is where the condition has completely changed from one of, while in Ur, a condition of death, to now a condition of life in the soul. The soul is now in the state of life, in the condition of life, because Christ is present, the Lord of glory is present. And yet the heart is completely ignorant of the one who's present. This is our ignorance is represented by the dashed square, which we call wisdom. And yet the wisdom of man is complete ignorance with God. So here's, here's the heart when it is not continued unto the end, unto the goal, unto the purpose for which the God of glory appeared from the beginning. For which the God of glory called it from the beginning. And that's Haran. That's still a type of a born-again believer who is truly born again. Christ is, is present in the soul. And yet, that believer continues governed by the same thing that governed Ur before it was born again. Remember? They, in Ur, they worshipped the moon god. The highest deity of theirs was the moon god. And it basically... It is a light that is no light at all. It has no light of its own. It's a, they worshipped a light that is not light. That's the natural mind. <clears throat> and they worshipped many gods, but that was their all-governing deity, the moon god. Well, they worshipped the same thing in Haran. See, nothing's changed. It's still, it's still in, our, in type. We have, while in Haran, we have born-again believer who is still governed by the natural mind, still governed by what governed before they were born again. It's still the understanding of man, still the wisdom of man, still the governments of man, ruling and reigning. <clears throat> Whereas when the heart finally turns, because once again with, with Abram, the journey of Abram, we're looking at it as a journey that every born again believer must take, but it is a journey of the heart, one of repentance. When the heart turns to the Lord, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the whole passage, and especially towards the end when it talks about the glory. 
When the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And I call it the veil of ignorance that hides the glory of God. The veil is removed. And the glory of God is seen where He is. And that was the whole thing with, with the Lord. When he, the God of glory, once again, Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 3 or 4, when the God of glory originally appears unto our father Abram, while he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran, Haran, Charan, he said, get out from thy kindred, from thy country, from thy kindred, unto a land I will show thee. And the land that God shows is the land that is filled with his glory. Okay? Christ is the glory of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ is the understanding of God. All this found in the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I, I... I'm not sure if you've noticed it or not, but I'll have to explain it. Um, I erased part of our diagram and redid it, but basically what you should be seeing with the land of Canaan is where the Lord first appears here in uh, Sikkim. It's one appearing, but then every single appearing afterwards is greater. It's a little, it's greater. Because that's the way, that's the way it should be. Uh, I'll go ahead and read this verse right here. And, uh, well, just just before uh, before I, I, I begin with the notes and reading the passages and stuff, I just wanted to mention uh, something that I thought about last night, and this is this is a beautiful picture, and maybe maybe it's just because of where the Lord has me in these studies with Abram, with this you know all surpassing theme of mercy, and with the <clears throat> with the story of the journey of Abram, but. As Abram continued serving the purpose of the Lord in his generation, as he continued walking in purpose, as he continued walking in the will of God, as he continued in the appearing of the Lord, that's really what he continued in, then he was, let, listen, he was less governed by what was found in Haran, what was found in Egypt, what was found in Sodom and Gomorrah, basically what was found outside of the land. He was less governed by what was found outside of the land. He was more governed by what is found in the land. He was more governed by the Lord himself. And this is a very... uh, base understanding of, of this or example, example, I'll say an example of this, but <clears throat> this, this, is, this is funny how it happened. But every night, you know, I kiss my wife uh, goodnight before we go to sleep. Uh, she, she usually uh, gets in bed before I do. And um, then when I come to bed, I kiss her goodnight and we both go to sleep. Uh, last night I took a shower pretty late. And uh, so I kind of stayed up trying to let my hair dry and doing different stuff. Well, the the brightest lights that we have in our house are in are in our bathroom. You know, we've got we've got a one, two, three, four lights right on top of our our mirror there. But they're the brightest lights that we have in our house. So when I cut those lights off, 
after you know a while of brushing my teeth and doing all that other stuff. Forgive me for all the details, but when I went to our bedroom, our bedroom was dark. Now we do have a little night light on that I have on the actually I have it on the floor, uh, and I have it covered with some black tape so that it it only shines horizontally, kind of to light my path in some in some way to, to the to the bed, so I don't trip over or walk or bump into stuff, which I have done in the past. And uh, <clears throat> that little light, night light, though it though it puts out light, I still couldn't even see what it was shining on when I came into the when it, when I came into the bedroom. I I made it to the bed, and my wife, she reaches up to give me a kiss. I can't even see her. I could not see her. Now, she could see me, because I asked her, I, I told her, I can't see you. She goes, oh, well, I can see you. And we kissed, and she went back to bed. And I thought about that. And I thought that how as we continue serving the purpose of the Lord, as we continue in the purpose of the Lord, as we continue in the will of the Lord, walking in the appearing of the Lord, the appearing of Christ, the appearing of the Son, walking in faith, walking in the light, walking in the truth, walking in that which we are beholding in the face of Jesus Christ, walking throughout the land and beholding the glory of the Lord that fills, continuing on after to know the Lord, walking as God the Father continues to reveal His Son in the soul, in the land that is filled with the fullness of Christ, then we are more governed by each appearing of the Son, by each appearing of Christ, than everything else that is darkness. And what is darkness? We cannot see the things of darkness any longer. We see them less and less. And we see the One who is present more and more. We see the sun. See, I didn't say we see the things. No. We see the sun. The sun. All there is to see here in the land that God would show is the Son of God Himself. That's all there is to see. And as we continue being governed by that expectation, by that purpose established of God from before the foundation of the world, then we literally become blind to the things of this realm as we begin to see Him who is ever-present, the eternal Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And thus we are governed less by everything else and more by the reality of God, His Son. So I just wanted to share that and mention that because it hit me like a ton of bricks last night and I, I continued thinking about it before I went to sleep. 
And I guess I'm still thinking about it right now, and I've been thinking about it this morning too. And even with all that, please listen, even with all that, that's not the goal. Even with all that, I don't want to present that to you and say, now that's the expectation we have before us. No, because it's not. That is just simply the results of having come to the purpose for which God created our soul. That's, that's just, in another way that I say it, that's just the automatic having seen and continue seeing the face of Christ. But what is the goal? What is the expectation? What is the purpose? What is the will of God? It is to see His Son. And specifically, to see the face of His Son. Because how can you know a person except you see their face? And how can you know the Son of God except the Father reveal Him? And how can the Father reveal Him except the heart turn to see Him? And how can the heart turn to see Him except the Father, through the Spirit, prepare the ground of the heart that the Spirit of the Lord may bring the heart unto the reality where the Spirit hath brought the soul from the beginning. See, <clears throat> unlike, unlike the physical journey that Abram took, we do not take a journey like that at all. No. I think <clears throat> in one of the classes, I may have uh, put it on the diagram, but ours is a journey of repentance, you could call it, a journey of faith, a journey of understanding, a journey of the heart turning to the Lord and ever seeing the one who is present in the soul, ever seeing the one in greater measure, ever seeing, forgive me, let me, let me say it this way, ever seeing in greater measure the one who is present that fills the soul. That's a good way of saying it. <clears throat> that's all our, ours is. That's, that's it. That, that is the purpose for which our soul exists. The appearing of Christ. And He will appear in greater measure and then greater, a greater measure and then in a greater measure and then in a greater measure. It's very simple with the Lord. He only has one to reveal. He only has one to show. The land that I will show you and the land that he shows, once again, is the land that is filled with his glory, filled with the person of his Son. <clears throat> so, we, we, don't, we do not preach the automatics, the results of that, in a sense, as if those were the expectation. No, 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 no. We say these are some of the results, some of, because they are some of but they are not the expectation. The expectation is to continually behold the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ. The expectation is to continually behold the allness of God in the person of His Son. So I'll just uh, go ahead with reading some of these verses and I, I may have uh, inadvertently quote, been quoting parts of it. <clears throat> but uh, just our one of the main verses that has been like the over, the surpassing theme verse of my heart since 2008 
is uh, this verse right here. It's Acts chapter 26, verse 16. And it's James Murdoch's translation of the Syriac Peshito. And it says, uh, verse 16, And he, Christ, the Son, Jesus Christ, and he said to me, this is uh, Saul of Tarsus at the time, later to be known as Paul, the Apostle, and he said to me, Stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared to thee for this purpose, to constitute thee a minister and a witness of this. And I know very sadly, uh, the majority of Christendom, we get so caught up with the, I'm going to be constituted a minister and a witness. And it's very sad, but uh, so that we don't run that uh immediately jump on that bandwagon, I'll just say this, whether we, we real, re, whether we realize it or not, or whether we uh, consent to it or not, uh, whether we agree with this statement or not, we are already ministers and witnesses. We minister whatever we witness. And if we witness our own face, as those in Haran, beholding and governed by humanity, man, then that's what we minister. We minister, listen, a false image. But if we witness, a witness is one who has seen something, if we witness, if we behold the allness of God, allness of God in the person of His Son, then that is what we will minister as well. We will always declare whatever we see. We will always testify of whatever we see and of whatever we are knowing. Whatever we see is whatever we will be knowing. If we are seeing the sun, we will be knowing the sun and therefore declaring the sun. If we are seeing ourselves, then we are knowing ourselves and declaring man. Excuse me. It's one or the other always. So just set that portion that little fragment of the scripture aside, don't even worry about it. <clears throat> As I said, um, all, all man, whether born again or not, is already a minister and a witness. Remember? Abraham, while in Ur of the Chaldees, he was, with everybody else, a minister of what he witnessed. They all were governed by the same. They were all ruled by the same. All right, going on with our verse in Acts chapter 26, verse 16, from James Murdoch's translation of the Syriac Pishito, uh, verse 16. And he said to me, Stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared to thee. Not a teaching, not a message. Not a sermon, not a class. I, a person, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to constitute thee a minister and a witness of this. Of this. And I thank God so much that it wasn't a message or a teaching to be a mess, to be a uh, to be constituted a minister and a witness of a message or of a teaching or of a doctrine or of a theology or of a religion. No, no, Of this, thy seeing me and of thy seeing me hereafter. Thy seeing me and of thy seeing me from this point onward. 
That's exactly the way it is from this point onward. It's not hereafter like in the hereafter once you're dead in the flesh and you know, yawn, however you want to say it. No, 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 that's not what it means. That's not what it means at all. What it means is from this moment forward. From this moment onward. This, thy seen me and thy seen me hereafter. And I like it's even the exact same way that uh, the Lord spoke to Abram and said, Now arise, walk through the land, through the length, the breadth, the height, the width. And behold, all that there is to behold in the land that is filled with His glory. Alright. <clears throat> so I just love that. That is the all-governing theme, you can say, with Abram. It is the all-governing theme, you can say, of the Scripture. Even in our passages with Abram. Alright. Now, uh, Right here with, uh, I'd like to read this passage, which I've read before in several times past, several classes uh, before. I've read it several times, but it's uh, Joshua chapter 3, verse uh, 7. And we're going to have to pull that one up because that one, I've got it in Spanish. I'll find it here in a second. Joshua... Three, verse 7. And the Lord said unto Joshua, and this is, this is basically Joshua, you know the story, all Israel was in Egypt, and they come, and they're about to enter the land, and Joshua's going about to lead them into the land, and here's the Jordan, they're about to cross Jordan, or maybe they already crossed Jordan. Well, they're basically right around here, whether they cross Jordan, or are about to cross Jordan, here is where they're at. And this is what the Lord says. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin. And I love that. Because it doesn't, the Lord doesn't say, I'm going to do this like a one-time thing, but this day will I begin to, I'm be, from here I'm going to begin doing this. See, all, and we'll just use with the example of, of Abram in our diagram, everything up to that point, the, though they have begun, and entered into reality, their hearts have not yet, listen to the way I say this, their hearts and their souls have not yet begun to be governed by the reality in which they are now found. It didn't happen in Ur, and it didn't happen in Haran. It happened when they came into the land and the Lord appeared. Now with, with Abram, and we're just looking at this example with Joshua here, and all Israel. And the Lord said unto Joshua, now Joshua here is a type of the head, is a type of Christ himself, the head of the body of Israel. Okay? And the Lord said unto Joshua, this day will I begin from this moment onward. 
from this day onward, I will begin to magnify thee. Not magnify a message, not magnify a teaching, not magnify a doctrine, not magnify a sermon, not magnify a class, not magnify a theology. No. I will magnify thee. And not only magnify, but I will begin to magnify thee. What what does that begin to imply? Beginning and no end. As the Lord has purposed it. As the Lord has determined it. Beginning and to have no end. No cessation. No termination. But a continuation throughout all eternity. You read it here. This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel. In the sight of of the body. This day will I begin to magnify the head in the sight of all the body. And you see, that's, that's exactly the way it is with every single born again believer. This is exactly the way it is with, <clears throat> excuse me, with, uh, the journey of Abram, uh, that the Lord called him unto. The purpose for which God calls the soul. And if you see it, I, I went back, redid our diagram a little bit. And the first time the Lord appears was in Sukkim. And I, I made that appearing. It's a great appearing if you look. Well, <laughs> I know my map is not to scale, but that's a great appearing of the Lord. Anytime the Lord appears, listen, anytime the Lord appears, He appears in all His fullness. The thing is, our hearts, our souls cannot bear seeing Him. in all the fullness that He is. The Spirit of the Lord, listen, the Spirit of the Lord prepares the ground of our hearts so that the ground may be prepared to bear the appearing of the seed. The seed's there, but it's covered by earth. Remember? The seed's there, but it's covered by earth. It's hidden by the earth. But the ground's prepared so that it may be able to to bear the appearing of the fullness that is there. And the Lord reveals His Son and it is glorious. And then the Lord reveals His Son again and it is more glorious unto us. And then He reveals His Son again. The Son appears and even more glorious. Every appearing of Christ is as though He is magnified, listen, in our sight. Our sight. He's not getting any bigger. His glory, remember our last class or classes, His glory fills the earth unto a land that I will show thee. And the land that God shows is the land that is filled with the glory of the Lord. It's full of the glory of the Lord. But in our sight, He's magnified and we see him more and more. And see, that's how I kind of placed the appearance of the Lord here. They kind of uh, are greater. The second appearing in the land is greater than the first appearing in the land. And the third appearing in the land is greater than the second appearing in the land, in the land, in the land. 
And uh, I was talking to Brother Raven earlier, and basically what it amounts to is that the God of glory first appears in the soul before we're born again. And then after that appearing, the next time he appears, he basically just appears the second. And he continues to appear the second, even the Lord from heaven, from that moment onward. But in our hearts, it is the second, the third, the fourth. But he's continually appearing the second, the Lord of glory, the risen one. Listen, the risen one, the seed glorified, the glorified seed, the fullness that filleth all and in all. It's beautiful. Just with all the different uh, types and shadows of the scripture. But let's go on. Uh, just with these with these passages, I love that. So that's why I kind of did the every appearing of the Lord like that a little, well, not a little, but larger and larger and larger. And I hope you can see it. I just I was really running out of space. Uh, but ultimately, see, ultimately. The knowledge that should be governing our heart, the knowledge that should be governing, governing our soul, governing the land, should be the knowledge of the glory of the Lord that fills the earth. So ultimately, as we continue throughout, throughout from now, throughout all eternity, we should see this completely filled red which I've got the red circle representing Christ himself, but it should be completely filled so perfectly as the waters so perfectly cover the sea. Habakkuk. And I think we're going to read that verse here in a second. That's how it should be. Ever ongoing. That is, brothers and sisters, the walk of faith. That is walking in the will of God. That is walking in the light. That is walking in Christ. Alright? <clears throat> and I use the term walking because it's continuing. It's not stagnant. You're not camping out and staying, you know, in one place. In one understanding for the rest of your life. Okay? Because what happens, the, the moment you camp out, in, in one understanding, then it doesn't take long before that becomes religion. It doesn't take long. See, Haran, Abram, came out with the purpose of going to Canaan, the land that God would show him, the land that is filled with the glory of God. Abram got as far as Haran, and he camped out in Haran. He, he was dwelling in a house in Haran. He stopped. And that is the religion of man. Still governed by the religion of man. All right? Now, when the Lord appeared, when he finally comes into the land of Canaan, comes to Shechem, or Shechem, the Lord of glory appears. The light, listen, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God appears in the face of Jesus Christ the one who is in the land appears to be in the land unto Abram. The, land, the Lord is always present in the land. But unto Abram, he now appears as being in the land. He was always there. 
Abram was just ignorant of the one who's in the land, who the one who's present. And so our, the majority, every single born-again believer, I'm, I'm not going to say the majority, no, every single born-again believer, completely ignorant of the one who's present, who fills the land, until God the Father reveals him. Until God the Father shows him to the soul. So, <clears throat> now he's governed not by the understanding of man, not by the wisdom of man, but now he begins to be governed by the understanding, by the knowledge, by the wisdom of God, Christ himself. But see, once having begun in purpose, or shall I say this, once having begun serving the purpose of the Lord, because see, at the moment of new birth, when the God of glory first appears in the soul, you begin in purpose. Why? Because purpose himself, the Son of God, Christ himself, appears in the soul. But when do you begin serving the purpose for which you were called? And I'm not playing with words. It is when the heart finally turns to behold the land that is full of His glory. That's when you're serving the purpose for which your soul was created of God. All right? But see, Abram did not just stay there. And see, that's the thing. If we just stay there, then before long, we will encapsulate and make it, listen, make it ours. And once it is ours, then it is no longer God's. There is always... Please don't misunderstand me. We make it into something that it is not. We, in essence, we create a false image. We create an image of reality that we have seen. See, Moses saw the face of the Lord. And the Lord, even the Lord said, declaring to Moses, to declare to the whole body of Israel, you shall make no false image. You shall make no image of me. Why? What does that represent? It represents basically that if we create an image, we try to encapsulate. We try to, listen to this, capture the moment and keep that as a memory and preserve that. No, we, we've just corrupted it. We've, we've killed it. It's no longer life. It's death. Look, look at this. The manna. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, the Lord said, every day I'll feed you manna. And I think it was like on uh, Friday, I'll feed you double so you don't work on Sunday. So no man works on Sunday. No, no, one, no one labors on the Sabbath. No one does any work on the Sabbath. Okay. But what if they picked enough manna on, let's say, Monday and wanted to keep some over to Tuesday. What would happen? What if they tried to capture something living that was supposed to be their salvation, that was supposed to be the nutrition of their body, the salvation, 
the life of their body. And they tried to encapsulate it and preserve it. In this day and age, there's so many preservatives on our food to make it pretty much last forever. It's a, it's a joke about Twinkies that they can last a hundred years and still be as fresh as ever. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I don't know if that's true or not, and I don't mean to uh, down Twinkies or anything like that. Uh, I don't want to get sued by the corporation or anything. But, uh, but we have so many preservatives in our food that it's... And anyone who's a health nut out there, I mean, they call them health nuts. You can call me a health nut. We all know that what's happened to the food that we are eating nowadays, there's no nutritional value in it. We have to take all these other supplemental vitamins and minerals to get what we are not normally and naturally supposed to be getting from the food we grow. Because they're just not found there anymore. Not in the ground, not in the produce. And especially not be, be, especially because they're stuffed with these preservatives, man-made preservatives. But anyway, scratch out, toss out aside, <laughs> back to the manna. There were those who tried to preserve it, encapsulate it, make it theirs. And that's exactly what religion does. It takes what... <clears throat> and I'll say this, it's exactly what happens... With every, listen to me, with every genuine movement of God that does not continue on serving the purpose of the Lord in their generation. They stop. The genuine movement of God throughout every generation is to bring from beginning to end. From the beginning unto the end. The vast majority just come out and stop and believe they've arrived. And it's just a form of religion. If the heart never comes to the end intended to the purpose for which God created the soul in the first place, then it just becomes a form of religion. No different than the world. And yet all the while trying to convince the world that it is different and yet governed by the same. And the world says, You're not fooling me. You're governed by the same thing I am. And the religious ones say, no, we're not. Deceived. Because yes, they are. And all the while, reality is present and the soul is completely ignorant of the reality that is present because the heart has not come in understanding from the understanding of man to the understanding of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord has brought the soul in reality from the moment, since since the moment of new birth. So they tried to keep the manna. And see, that'll happen even here. When the Lord first appears when the Son of, of, of God is first revealed in the soul of one, if he does not continue, as Abram continued, walking the length, the breadth, the width, the height, Paul even said, oh, the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of Christ. 
If the born-again believer does not continue walking in purpose, continue serving the purpose of the Lord in his generation, then it will just become a, listen to this, deeper life teaching. And, I say this, and all of you viewing, watching, listening, if in the tender mercy and ever-abounding grace of God, by the working of His Holy Spirit, preparing the ground of your hearts to turn to see the face of Christ, if God does not reveal His Son in you, then all this will become in your heart is just a deeper life teaching. And it will have served in your heart no purpose. And though all reality is being declared that is being seen in the face of Christ, though Christ Himself is being declared, if Christ is not revealed in your hearts, it will only be a deeper message, a deeper life message with no reality to it. No effectual working power in the heart, in the soul. And that, my brothers and sisters, is a very sad thing. And that is why I say that in every generation, there is, I don't want to say a move of God. God is always doing the same in every generation. But it is ever abounding mercy and grace. He makes souls aware of what He's doing. And if the hearts of those that He makes aware of what He's doing camp out, stay in one place, then it will only become a movement that began and ended. And when those in the camp of Israel tried to preserve the manna, they saw that before long, it was wormy. And there was no life to it. It could not be eaten. There was nothing that would sustain them of it. It became something that could not, that could no longer sustain them. It became something contrary to what it was before when man tried to capture it and preserve it. May this never be such a thing in our hearts. May the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Son, the Spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit have full reign in the ground of our heart. Have, listen, full reign in the ground of our heart to be ever preparing the ground of our heart for a yet greater appearing of Christ unto our hearts. A greater appearing of the One 
who fills the whole entire land. A greater appearing of the fullness that fills the Son of God Himself. And may we continually be like Abram as the Lord spoke to Abram, Arise, walk through the land. The length, the breadth, the height, the width. I've given it to thee and to thy seed forever. The soul purposed for the appearing of the Lord. Listen, the entirety of the soul purposed for the appearing of the Son of God, for the appearing of the glory of the Lord forever. Our next verse that I want to read is Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Notice the words, filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one having six wings and Uh, With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. Verse 3, And one cried unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And this is the heavenly declaration. This is the heavenly confession. The eternal declaration. The eternal confession. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth, and you can look up that term earth, it's the exact same word that is used for land unto a land that I will show thee. The whole land, listen to this, the whole land is full, full, full of His glory. Is now presently. And now Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth, once again, the term earth, Strong's number 776, if you search it out. Uh, for the earth, for the land, for the earth, for the land shall be filled. But I thought it was filled. Shall be filled with now the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So perfectly as the waters cover the sea. So perfectly as the waters cover the sea. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Excuse me. Going on, or with a reference of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, the light of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord 
in the face of Jesus Christ. For God, who commanded the light to shine in a dark place, referencing Genesis, hath shined, where? In our hearts. In our hearts. The heart that is turned hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ. Remember, God has nothing to show other than His Son. God has nothing to reveal other than His Son. God has for the soul nothing to know other than His Son. Why? Because it is His Son who is present in the soul. The thing is, the soul is just ignorant of the One who fills, of the One who is present and who currently fills the soul. Not a teaching, not a doctrine, not a message. A person. I'll just go ahead and uh, stop here. And I'll make a note here. The Lord didn't, listen, the Lord didn't save our soul for a message. He did not save our soul for a doctrine. He did not save our soul for a teaching. He did not save our soul for a doctrine of God. He saved our soul by placing His Son in the soul. Salvation is present anywhere the Son is present. The Son is the salvation of the soul. The Son is the salvation of God. That the soul, that the heart and soul may know the One who is present and who fills. And uh, I, I know that I may have jotted these verses down, but I'll just mention this. No man knoweth the Son, save the Father. And no man knoweth the Father, save the Son, and he to whom he will reveal him. How can you say you know God, except God reveal him? And if God reveal him, the one who's present, how can you say that you've accomplished such a thing from your studies. No. When God the Father reveals His Son, we will know that He reveals Him by His tender mercy and ever-bounding grace. It is nothing that we have done or could do or ever could have done, but it was God alone in His tender mercy and ever-abounding grace. Every step of the way. It is a step, it is a journey 
in the mercy of God. Remember, from the beginning, had the God of glory not appeared to our father Abram while he dwelt in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran, then Abram would have continued as always in a condition, in a state of death. Had the God of glory, and all this is in his tender mercy and ever-bounding grace, had the God of glory not spoken to Abram while he came short of purpose, while he remained short of purpose, while he was in Haran, reminding him, yet once again declaring the same purpose that he declared from the beginning, get out unto a land I will show thee, the land that is filled with my glory. Had God not spoken to him, once again, in his tender mercy and ever-bounding grace, Abram would have continued in Haran. In reality, yet completely ignorant of the reality of God, it was present within him. And every step of the way, it is the Lord in His mercy, in His tender mercy and ever-bounding grace that keeps us in purpose, in His will. Listen, for His good pleasure. It is God that both that worketh in us to both will and do for His good pleasure. And then here, the Apostle Paul defining it. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, called me by His grace. Listen, the call, called me by His grace. For what? To reveal His Son in me. I know I'm running out of time and I'm getting close to being over time. (laughs) But may we just ask the Lord, pray to the Lord, that His Holy Spirit, that His precious Holy Spirit would continue, would ever continue preparing the ground of our heart for an ever, to be able to bear an ever greater appearing of Christ. To be able to bear an ever greater appearing of the fullness of Christ. The one who's present, the one who fills the land. Amen? Amen. The Lord bless you all. We'll see you in our next class. Uh, I'll just make a mention of this. Those of you who have my email or and I have your emails, I'll be sending out a, an email, uh, Lord willing, sometime this week or maybe early next week, just concerning um, the 50th anniversary, anniversary of the Institute, of the Berean Bible Institute there in Monterey, Mexico. Um, where we do Bible conferences and teach in their classrooms. Um, but uh, this this year is, they're having a 50th year anniversary and there's several pastors there that are, uh, that are going to be coming from all around Mexico and maybe some out of the country 
to attend this particular uh, uh, gathering, uh, reunion, 50th year reunion celebration. And uh, I'd like to try to get some Spanish Strong's Concordances down there uh, for those pastors who would have need and who would be able to utilize such a tool. And I mention that because uh, there's a lot of pastors down there who do not even own a Strong's Concordance, and it's so very sad, brothers and sisters. It's a very sad and shameful thing, actually, uh, when you think about it, that here in the States, we're, we're so they're so readily available and abundantly available. I, I kid you not, I got a magazine from a from a a pretty popular Christian bookstore and I just looked at, you know, prices on concordances because that's what I'm I'm considering here for the near future. And I saw an English strong concordance on sale for $12.99. And if you got a bundle, which which was like a strong concordance and... A Vines Dictionary, you could get them both for $19.99. And then I saw the Spanish Strong's Concordance on sale for something like $35. And see, I can get them for $30, but listen to me, it's still cheaper purchasing them here in the United States than in Mexico. I've looked at their websites, I've been to actual bookstores in Mexico, and the prices range anywhere from $89 89 U.S. dollars to 115 U.S. dollars. And in some places, 119 U.S. dollars. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's sad. And it's, as I stated, it is shameful that we would do such a thing. And I say we because I'm an American as well. But we should be, we should be doing all we can to provide the tools for the body of Christ to be edified, not trying to make business off the body of Christ. So, anyway, forgive me for that. That's just something that's thundering in my heart right now. But as I stated with our class, just let's just keep our hearts before the Lord and Ask Him that by His sweet Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, by His precious and tender Spirit, He would just continue preparing the ground of our hearts that we would come to serve the purpose of the Lord and continue serving the purpose of the Lord in our generation for His good pleasure. Amen? Amen. We'll see you in our next class. Lord bless you all. Amen.